Hello and welcome to the Recruitment Mashup podcast. Today I'm joined with a special guest, uh, an ex-colleague of mine and a really good friend. Uh, his name is Jack Spurway. Uh, Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'd just like to talk about kind of your journey and kind of how you've come into copywriting and, and recruitment copywriting and things like that, really. So sure. do you want to sort of start from how we can start right at the beginning? I know you've, you've <laughs> got some band um, <laughs> experience that we can talk about sure. and, and we can talk right from there all the way through to kind of when we work together and then sure. kind of how you've got into recruitment copywriting and I know you do a lot of stuff overseas which is great um, and how you kind of got into that and, and kind of how it's developed really if yeah. that's right. Yeah yeah no worries yeah. Um, thanks for thanks for having me. No you're welcome you're welcome thanks for say, joining me. Full disclosure yeah. um, I did work with you, um, you for did. a while. Uh, no so I'm, I'm I am a copywriter now uh, but I guess I've had quite a um, sideways journey uh, into the marketing industry which I guess copywriting is a sort of niche of um, uh, I get. I guess uh, I, I started. I worked in. I worked, actually worked in hospitality and events for the best part of ten, twelve, thirteen years. Yeah. Uh, while I was in aforementioned band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while I was at uni, um, but I actually did. Uh, I did uh, film with screenwriting at university. So I guess that was my. That was my first f- foray into f- structured niche or formulated writing that had theory and had um, had some structure, had some history, had a lot of students and a lot of um uh and a lot of uh, kind of depth i guess in yeah. terms of how you can use writing and i use that as a very broad term uh, as a job mm-hmm. and i think i was you know film obsessive and loved it but I, I sort of wanted to steer away from the practical side so i thought where in the country do where can i kind of you know scratch the writing itch while still kind of um working aside from film or tv or yeah. that sort of creative writing and and uh Southampton Solon University had this they were the first pioneers of this uh, screenwriting course which I thought was great it was a small very theory heavy class but did teach me a lot about really structured writing the importance of storytelling narratives and obviously the parallels now looking back at it to what I now do are quite profound which is great but um, I also discovered that you know playing guitar was fun as well so (laughs) did that as a job uh, for a number of years while 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 kind of paying the bills working in restaurants and after that kind of ended and let's let's just briefly talk about that because i love stuff like this as you know as you know i do and sure and you were you were in you play this down a lot jack to be fair and you were in quite a a, let's say a big band i I suppose in in terms of you know it's not just your typical pub band you know you were touring and stuff like that yeah we were yeah we did it's an it's a you know an an original band we were called burn the fleet yeah spotify that it's still there um which was no it was good i think there was a kind of there was i look back at it through a kind of lens of uh oh god i can say this is sort of 36 year old now it's like lens of learning should we say yeah yeah. which was we approached it with this kind of raw energy as everybody does who wants to make a go of it in any creative industry yeah and also a kind of immense naivety which Mm -hmm. i think you i'd like to think i learned from it and i don't talk it down necessarily i think there was so much opportunity Huge, and yeah. massive amount of potential. I know we, we've talked about this a lot, haven't million we? Times, like, million times, million times. Cool. And obviously you've got this yeah, enormous, yeah. like, you know, you've got this huge kind of music love. Of yeah, your yeah, own. yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting looking back at it at the kind of, trying to look at it maybe through a kind of a, um, a way of, okay, if we could redo it again and live it again, there'd obviously be a thousand things you do differently. 
but trying to approach that that sort of trying to look at that 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 time of my life with a bird's eye view and trying to approach what I do now with the same lens is really difficult because there are so many things we didn't do at the time be it saving and funding be it management be it promotion and we were doing this as Instagram got launched yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that wasn't a thing yeah so it's kind of it seems like an analog era of but it was the perfect kind of time to to do it to really find these new channels and ways of selling your music and selling your brand and all of that yeah. stuff which and, we and didn't really kind of dive into which i think i think, I think that's really helped with like your copywriting and stuff that you're doing definitely. now and i think you know and i say this a million times is that people don't go into work and go right i'm going to screw up today like do you know what <laughs> right, i mean like right, right. you learn from your mistakes don't you do you know what sure. i mean so and and your experience i think with the band has, has really helped you develop into kind of where you are today, I think, in I terms so. of what, what, what you've done with your, your recruitment copywriting and your marketing and stuff like that, I think it's really, I, I truly believe, I think that's, it's been a, sure. you know, kind of a, an insight in terms of what you've you previously learned. I would, I would yeah, say. I think maybe it sort of falls into the same school of thought, which is, um, I think there are the types of people you know have done something quite ballsy, as in quite performance-based or very, very vulnerable. Yeah. And I think performance is part of that. But I also totally. think some, yeah. sometimes, you know, working in jobs like retail mm-hmm. or, or care, these jobs that I think are so far down the kind of pay scale that they're sort of considered a bit, maybe sometimes they're considered like, oh, well, what's your real job? You know, oh, well, you're in a band, but what, what do you really do? Yeah. And I think there's this element of, of kind of, there's a diligence and a bravery you have to take to really jump in. Yeah. And I think you can learn from that. And I think that's something you can tell if you go, and I know this, we've spoken about this a million times. Yeah. If you go to a like a if you go to a bar or a pub or a restaurant, and you're with a big group of people, you know the people you work with who's pulled a pint before. Yeah. Because they're extra nice to the yeah. service staff. You know <laughs> yeah. they've got their p's and q's, and you know the people that are a bit dismissive. Yeah. Not the ones that click, because I don't think me and you ever really know people that do that. But yeah. those, you know, they've never pulled a pint in their life, and you know that there's this disconnect they have between yeah. that kind of. Really, not. Uh, I hate using the word slumming it because it isn't. Yeah. But what you're doing is that graft. You've yeah. Worked totally. at that kind of. Yeah. At the real vulnerable end. You've of been there, done that. Customer service. Yeah, You've yeah, kind yeah. of be exactly. Yeah, and there's yeah. maybe an empathy you learn. Certainly, there's a thing with performance and and sort of diving in to doing something you've never done before. Yeah. I think if you stepped on the stage and played your heart out to ten people who hate you, you can probably step into any business meeting and just go, oh, "I'll sell anything." Absolutely. And and it's things like making your first, you know, in recruitment terms, first sales call, oh, sure, and stuff like sure. that, first visit, stuff like that. Do you know just what I mean? And, and 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 it's you've got to sort of pull off the plaster, so to speak, yeah, and, and just you know, just crack on and do with it. Yeah. You? So, and I think there's a lot of business stuff as well. I think, and I know what you've done with previous podcasts where you've spoken about business setup and and about how to kind of, I guess. Um, set yourself up as a in a certain niche or in a certain business and 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 i think doing that in a band which is a very lateral um business to set up um there are whole mental structures and management structures that really look after and sort of in, um sort of uh incubate bands from a young age um through the machine that is music and yeah. what machine you know what the music industry is now with spotify and streaming and the sort of low fee aspect of that to what it was when I was gigging is 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 like two different universes. Yeah. But I think something we tried to do and something I've always tried to learn from it is is try not to isolate yourself too much or think you can do it yourself. Yeah. I think there always has to be this element of leaning on other people, really trusting other people. Totally. It's not that we didn't. Yeah, yeah. I just think we could have done more. That could have been you could have done that even better. You know, mm-hmm. what we did, times it by ten. And yeah. really throw your lot in with 
networking, yeah. getting out and speaking to people. Yeah, yeah. We did amazing work. Our singer, Andy, was incredible at that. He was the most personable, brilliant guy. He speaks yeah. to anybody and everybody. And we did draw in a lot of people um, mm. that really helped us. We should have done more. I should have done more, you know. And you look back at it, and it's not. You know, Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Hind- it is, I mean? isn't it? So yeah. But it was a it was um it was a, a hell of a good six, good times I can imagine. Time. So th- there you go, listeners. You've heard it here first. Burn the fleet. Please download it. <laughs> um, get a couple of pence for <laughs> for Jack. Yeah, zero point five p, please. Yeah. Um, okay, so obviously you did that. You went into a bit of a hospitality kind of role. I did. So then I kind of pivoted away from just working within restauranting and actually went into events. So I, f- I was freelance in London for a while, mm-hmm. um, and I worked for uh, big brands like Unilever. Yeah. Um, the Mexican Board of Commerce, I worked with them and a okay. bunch of other kind of offshoots and affiliates of, through a company called Hot Pickle, who are a wonderful experiential marketing company. Um, and that was an, an absolutely wild two years. That was throwing an abs- absolutely in the deep end of big, big ticket, you know, blue chip events in central London. They did yeah. Regent Street shutdowns. They did takeovers at the Truman wow. Brewery. They did, they had pop-up shops in Selfridges. And it yeah, was yeah. like me and a friend of mine who I actually, he was, he was, uh, my manager at a restaurant in Southampton, we both ended up working for this company at the same time. And so we just worked together on projects. And I think neither of us, I mean, I can't speak for Mark because actually he was a total <laughs> weapon, but like certainly for me, it was great having somebody I trusted in that yeah. business because that was like, you know, 15, 16 hour days. Um, and it, they just threw you in the deep end. They yeah. would go adapt, learn, off you go. You've got a team and of 20 to run an event, off you crack. And, and, I, and I guess that probably helped as well in terms of you know, what you've done and what you're doing now and you know again we talk about learning from your mistakes and things like that and learning from kind of your experience and I think that's really probably helped as well I think so I I think also just say yes you know when they say can you do an event with a mobile phone pop uh, startup Uh, it's running a shop it's just running a retail shop you've got a bunch of um, event staff who are kind of going to help out do most of the work here's we've built the shop turn up next Tuesday and I just go yep I'm in I just say yes like because you never know and I think that was that was really fun and and it was a, a complete whirlwind. That was a whirlwind mm-hmm. of a job, um, which took me then after doing that for about a year and a half, I ended up working for Waterstones, which yeah. was a, uh, and again, I guess it was at the, another kind of quite exciting role. They were developing in London anyway, uh, almost two parallel new business plans, which was completely revamping their food and beverage um, arm mm-hmm. of their London sites, which, which they sort of isolated compared to the rest of the con- country but in a way, because it is their, that's their, that's easily their busiest stores. It's their um, highest traffic stores. It's their, it's where they do all the events. It's yeah. where those, they have these big book launches and everything. And so I worked not in their main HQ Piccadilly store, but I had a, a, a cluster of three other stores, which I helped with some external um, consultants, <coughs> um, helped launch three new cafes, all with food and uh, and um, and beverage options. Mm-hmm. So that was all single origin coffee. It was completely independent staff that we were bringing in that were barista trained, that was away from the main yeah. setup of Waterstones booksellers. And and then I was given uh, with some friends um, who were also brought in, who I now consider friends, I should say, um, were brought in to set up the events uh, schedule and calendar for a underground cocktail bar which was also an event space yeah uh, in their brand new store which is on Tottenham Court Road and so that was a huge huge 
That was for me, I think, at the time, working with a massive brand with yeah. enormous amounts of money, which I had no control over, thank <laughs> God, because I would have been awful. But you, you were kind of, you went along with the flow and you were thrown into a team of very hardworking, very forward thinking, yeah. very customer oriented, very marketing savvy um, booksellers who at the time where Waterstones was massively resurgent, they were making absolutely hand over fist money. They completely revamped their retail and their food and drink offering. Because they realise they do work together. They're not in opposition. Yeah. And, and I think so, with things yeah. like, with Waterstones particularly, you know, you've got things like the online element and, sure. you know, you've got Kindles and, you know, right. e-books and stuff like that. And actually, they probably saw that that point of, we need to diversify a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. And actually, at the time, um, they, they were going through this kind of, they realised their new model that they, I think they'd, been, they, they'd come out of ownership with, from the HMV group and they'd gone completely into their own, management and they were focusing on things that i i would would have thought as a customer were were always the things that they would focus on which is your booksellers are going to be very well read incredible fans of books it's not going to be a business as in here are your kpis and hit this many sales a day it's for the love of god just love what you do be good at it so so other people who are fans of books come in and they love you they know Mm -hmm. you the bookseller by first name because they know you're good at fiction they know you're amazing at History. They know you're incredible at something else, and, it, and it's almost kind it. of finding that niche, isn't it? In terms yeah. of you know what someone likes, and then Absolutely. that's that's how you get your sale, isn't it? Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, and sure. they and so I ended up running their events schedule with a couple of colleagues, one called Vivian, and another um, whole uh, all the connections with the publishers, which were really long-standing relationships. Mm-hmm. The Waterstones already had with Penguin Random House and all of those big um, uh, the huge book publishers. And what we did was try and do something different. We yeah. tried to operate the whole thing. In a much more not do it not DIY but pretty stripped back. No egos. Um, there were no kind of. It was meant to be very welcoming to a much more kind of cosmopolitan London based. It wasn't that they didn't do it before. Yeah. I think they just went. You know what? We can't be too. We can't strangle the energy of what people want at those sorts of book launch events. We're going to diversify what we offer. Mm-hmm. So they did boozy book clubs. They did Love gigs. Yeah, you yeah. know, we had gigs. We had. We had Pep Guardiola come down to do a book wow. launch. Like we did loads of amazing yeah, yeah. stuff. And again, approached it from a position of just say yes. Yeah. You've got the space. It's amazing. It's already loved. We already have this great connection with publishers and customers. So if somebody comes in with a slightly left field approach, just say yes. Mm-hmm. It's not that we need the sales or we need the custom. It's we want to be known as something different. Like we do want to approach it. And it's about the experience, way. I guess, isn't it? To a certain great extent. Experience, and, and, you know, selling an experience, selling a brand. Yep. But it's more about the kind of... The, the feel-good factor, I guess. I agree. I would agree with that. And and that lingering feeling of leaving and going, oh, that was the only place we're going to get that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Is in this kind yeah. of, And it was very different to what Waterstones have done, which are these very safe places, quite traditional bookshop. And we were underground in this very stripped back. Uh, I, anyone re, anyone listening to this, just go and Google the Tottenham Court Road Waterstones and it's like a kind of bar. That's, yeah, it yeah. is a bar. They built a bar into the wall yeah. where they sell cocktails and coffee and all that stuff and you set the floor up and, it, and it's just, it was, it was, it had this quite punk ethic to it even though it wasn't. We looked after it really well. We made sure that we were always adhering yeah. to Waterstones brand principles and making sure everybody you know, knew there's a fire escape over there. It wasn't some like DIY punk yeah. gig. You know. But it was great. That was a really fun sort of um, nice. slightly lateral. Yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. Good lateral. time of your life, I guess. I'd say so, yeah. yeah it in, was great in terms to... of London and the hustle and bustle of that and yeah. you know, kind of putting on events yeah. for, for, let's say, a, a well-known brand at the time, you know, and, and st- still, still is, is still do you know it. what I mean? So, And, 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 the, and the, the venue that we were working at is still going strong. You know, they are still doing four or five events a, a week, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's one of the only venues in London where you're really going to find that, that really consistent, constant presence of 
publishers and customers and this completely seem that we're trying not to put anybody on a pedestal. Everybody's approachable. Come in, talk, have a coffee, yeah. sit, make a podcast, say yes, do yeah. a coffee tasting, do yeah, a do a dinner that. club, doesn't matter. Just turn up and do it. And yeah. and I love being part of that. Yeah, that was, absolutely. That was super fun. I mean I was I look back at it and I think I don't understand how I was even given the job. You know, it's not that I was out of my depth, but the fact that they said yes to me made me want to go yes to them. Yeah, you know, absolutely. To go, You've given me a shot. There's I'll an element of that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah it was really it. great. So, so, so that was that was, that was Waterstones, that was and that was you. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? That was that was London, and thought, London. I know what, I'll go to. I'll, I'll leave this. I'll, I'll, I'll leave this. I'll move to Somerset <laughs> for the hustle and bustle yeah. and the, the, the nightlife of of Taunton. Yeah. Um, and then you moved down to the West Country. I did. Um, talk us through what what happened then. Well, I think it was. Uh, I was very lucky enough to be because I'm from the southwest. So for me to move down, buy a property, which wasn't really possible in London. Yeah, sure. Because the prices were absurd. Yeah. Um, to actually, you know, be lucky enough to be in a position to buy was great. And I thought, well, you know, having, having not lived in the Southwest at that point for about 15 years, mm-hmm. um, for me, it was kind of an opportunity to explore where, where, does what, where, where does what I've done take me next? And I yeah. thought, well, I think possibly putting a, it wasn't really much of a plan per se, but I think it was, you've got to connect with the people you work with. I've always loved the people I've worked with. I've always felt that there's, um, for me, a kind of that friendship, that that culture was so important. And I genuinely never thought the recruitment world would be something that I would end up actually being quite sort of a student yeah. of. But after meeting yourself and Nick, yeah. who uh, at One Step, and really you guys taking a punt on me, which is actually you've got the sort of energy and the, yeah, and, totally. and the I guess the, a, a way of, communicating a value system perhaps that seemed to match what one step had certainly pre-pandemic um it, it was a match and again it was a, a an offer that was put in front of me to both support your hospitality recruitment but then also do a bit of work with the marketing marketing yeah. team at the time yeah. seemed something that I, I would say yes to and it just seemed logical and natural to say yes because i don't know there was there was something with the charity with obviously the work you've been doing with mm-hmm. schools and colleges with the one step foundation at yeah. the time there was a very attractive prospect just from a kind of giving back perspective. It scratches an itch with yeah. people, I think, who walk away from what I do with something valuable. Um, and I, I, yeah. It's interesting you say about kind of y- yourself and, you know, you took a bit of a punt on, or I took a bit of a punt on you, but there's an element of kind of personality that shines through. You can, you can train recruitment. You can't train kind of personality and sales ethic and kind of, and that comes back from your experience that we were talking about earlier. Do you know what I mean? In terms yeah. of, you know, what you've done previously. But I think, you know, a, someone's personality really shines through. And actually, like I say, I can train someone in recruitment. Yeah. But, you know, you can't train the, the personality in them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, I agree. and that really shines through. So, so, yeah, you did a bit of hospitality recruitment. And, you know, we all know that's a tough gig um, in, in the sense tough, that, you know, you, you deal with chefs, you deal with kitchen staff, hospitality staff. And stability power, if that's yeah. a word, um, is quite difficult with, think, with the likes of the, those kind of types of kind of people in that industry. In, so. my, in my experience, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think, but it's probably not from a place necessarily of, of kind of it's too hard to work in. Or I think there's a massive element of credibility yeah. in hospitality recruitment where you, as agents, need to be not just kind of trusted and not just kind of you've got my back as a chef, but you have to be really credible. Yeah. And I know that's the case across every every yeah, every, yeah, every yeah, yeah, industry sure. to to a degree, um, but I think you know where it differs, say from 
um, high volume, like events recruiting, yep. for instance, where it's high volume, where it's more a case of logistics, money, numbers in the bit. You already know there's going to be a slight drop off. There's percentages of kind of yep. where it turn up and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. In a really candidate led um, market like hospitality, where chefs are an absolute gold dust, yep. you can't just be on hand to say, have you got a role? you kind of got to go with the rhythms of the industry, which are 24-7, when everyone else isn't working, they're working, mm -hmm. which is, it's tough work, it's long hours, it's brutal. There's this kind of cult of, and, and anybody that's read anything by Bourdain or watched any kitchen nightmare show know that chefs are a kind of an incredible, unique breed. Different breeds. Absolutely. <laughs> and a way that kind of, they, it's not that you can, you don't just need to be on hand yeah. to reply to an email. You've got to be right time, right place, and immediately yeah. give it to what they need. And yeah. I think, it wasn't that necessarily that was something that I didn't enjoy. I just think weirdly that when when the the candidate numbers are so strained and so low and it's so high demand and it's such an in-demand role. And also, sorry to interrupt, just be, being in the county as well of, of right. the Southwest, you know, different, I'm guessing, yeah. probably hospitality recruitment From in London. London. Crazy. People with ten of ten a penny. Do and you know they what were, I mean? For sure. So you know, it's like being in Somerset. Is, and I also is think different, different Somerset is a weird one. There are more people that live in Bristol than live in the entire Somerset. Yeah, it's crazy. So just it's from crazy, a, purely crazy, from crazy. a density perspective, yeah. it's it's a tough it's a tough gig. Yeah. That said, one step where you know they realised that there was always going to be a need for good chefs, but in the same way, I guess I offered some value in the marketing yeah. department too. Yeah. And you guys trusted me with jumping in it. And, and that the, sort of happened, which was great, organically a little it bit, did. didn't it? it did. In terms of you know your experience from the likes of Waterstones and stuff like that, yeah. um, I think it almost turned your hand a little bit to to the kind of marketing element and the 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 copywriting and the sure. the blogs and stuff like that, and yeah. you know. So it kind of turned into that, didn't it, a little bit? Yeah, and also I think you guys had a great connect with a um, with the well, not uh, sorry, not a great connect. You had a a, a very good setup with the previous marketing manager um, who had left it in really fine fettle. Where yeah. and I had to learn quite quickly, I think, about some of the nuts and bolts of basic website builds about mm -hmm. SEO. I had to, you know, it's learning about the nitty gritty of a of a website build, website and and web presence and indexing and how. Um, relevancy of kind of content comes into play and, and it's something I guess that we'll probably get onto more when I talk more about the copywriting part yeah. and, the, and the sort of how essential modern marketing methods are to business presence especially yeah. online now yeah. more important than ever is learning that quite quickly sort of the, the principles that power things like good SEO mm -hmm. or a decent social media strategy are no different from walking in a restaurant and I'll give you a case and example and this is kind of an ethic that I live by if you go into a restaurant and you have a bad meal, you can save the experience yeah. by being a good staff member, by treating them with respect and by admitting, totally by, by owning yeah. the mistake, by um, offering a solution where there is one to be taking had and also and taking yeah. responsibility yeah. for it, uh, by going through the kind of, by making sure that if that person leaves the door, they would come back as a customer. Mm -hmm. That for me is the pinnacle of great customer service. Because Couldn't if you, agree more. Yeah. And I think you can ruin yeah. a great meal by crap service. Yeah. Easily. Mm -hmm. Like that within a second. Mm -hmm. And if there's some there's there's so much more of this of a of a um of a fine line between between that sort of emotive experience and the physical, tangible thing experience. Yeah. Uh, the the purchasing experience, yeah, yeah, should we yeah. say. And it, they are one and the same. And I think I always went into every job with the same thing, which is, it's not the customer is king, it, but it's more like the experience is king. Yeah. That's the most important thing. That even if the experience is dreadful, you can still save it. Yeah. That it does, and it's not that the meal is secondary or that the drinks are secondary or that the 
SEO is secondary or anything like that. It's more that all of that comes under the umbrella of experience, mm-hmm. and, and that has to be king. Yeah. Experience is king. And I think that's where your credibility, your reputation lies. Totally. And that's where the kind of repeat customer yep. metric lies. And I think learning about a lot of that under the tutelage of yourself and the old marketing manager, Tansy, and also the agency we had who was working with us at the time as well, yep. was a real learning curve. But the principles really were just the same as that kind of customer focus you take in a, in a bricks and mortar restaurant. Yeah. They were not too dissimilar. And so I think that sort of was a good preparation. I absolutely agree. And uh, and kind of, you know, what you did for us at the time was, was great. Like I say, it's, it's about getting the message out there. And I think yes. that's what you, you do extremely well in your current situation now. So yeah. let, let's take it kind of fast forward it a little sure, bit, should sure, we say, sure. in terms of, um, you know, obviously the world went a little bit crazy it's like, in, it's like in March 2020. Um, and kind of, you know, obviously there were situations and, you know, we had to make cuts and, and you know, we, we lost lots of contracts overnight. Um, but you kind of took the, I guess you took the ball by the horn, so to speak, and you kind of went, do you know what? Let's, let's see what I can do with regards to the, the copywriting. And that brings you kind of as to what you're doing now, I guess, yeah. isn't it? And you went self-employed and I did. that's where we are. Indeed. So t- talk to us about kind of what, what you do, types of stuff that you do and, sure. and kind of how you help. And it's not just recruitment businesses, no, is it? It's, no, it's, it's, a, it's a range of businesses. So how is. you help with you know, the things of copywriting and marketing and kind of website SEO and stuff like that. Sure. Um, so I, my job title now is copywriter. Well, the sell-myself-proclaimed job title <laughs> copywriter and marketing consultant. That sort of comes underneath copywriting as my kind of primary yeah. income spinner, if you will. Um, it's, so I kind of launched myself into it thinking... Well, I've always wanted to do it. It's always been a niche. I think there's something I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if there was ever a time to take a punt on it, it's going to be while well, everything else is shut down. Yeah. And also I knew that there were markets around the world that, were, that, that weren't having the same immediate kind of reaction with lockdowns and everything here. So I, kind of, I took a punt on it and I set myself up on Fiverr, which is a freelance, um, freelance platform yeah. where freelancers can sell almost anything. In That's every, Fiverr with two R's. Fiverr with two R's. F-I- E V E R E R yeah, and I imagine people now Fiverr are an absolute weapon of a company. Yeah. They're everywhere, and they've got adverts all over the place. Um, I imagine anybody that works in marketing uh, in some fashion has probably heard yeah. of it, or yeah. worked within it, or hired somebody from it. Mm-hmm. And Fiverr are an absolute monster of a company. They, you can connect anything from you know AI software developers to script writers to graphic designers and everything and anything in between. So I set myself up as a recruitment copywriter. The rule of rule of thumb was. You can go in as a generic copywriter, but just pick a niche. And I thought, well, I know recruitment. I've been lucky enough to work in an environment Mate, which and, was quite high and, volume and specific to some niche industries, which was great. So I set myself up. And then three years later, or nearly three years later, I've got, yeah, clients from New Zealand to the US. I was going to say, yes, I, yes. I was looking at your Fiverr account just before we, we sat down here. Sure. And um, I, I, there was <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. New Zealand, Australia, yeah. America, yeah, Singapore, you know. Right. Obviously, the UK, Singapore, there was one on there as well, as you say, which is great. You know, obviously, your your brand and your name as a copywriter is getting out there as well. Slowly but surely, yeah. I think, and it's just it's not going to happen overnight. Of course, definitely not. You know, I I went on some of your reviews, and it's like, wow. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't realize to what extent, you know, kind of your breadth in terms of where where you cover. Sure. 
was was covering and 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 it's it's almost a bit of breath of fresh air really in the sense of what you've done and yeah. and how you've kind of helped those businesses really keeps it fresh and i think also that there are so many copywriting or i should say seo principles now which which are more important than ever for brand visibility for company visibility mm-hmm. it's recruitment is in some aspects they're absolutely market leading i think with things like how effective things like ats's and crms are yeah they are genuinely market leading. They're insane. And with AI coming to the fore, they're going to be, well, pretty much sentient in terms of how they connect with you online, in terms of how they pass data from your social media and from your CV and resume and all that stuff and how they build profiles of people. It will be next level. And I don't have to do any of that stuff. It's the other stuff that kind of, how else can you pivot brand visibility online? And actually what I found after even working just initially within recruitment, writing blogs and writing articles and things like that and just keeping the SEO tidy for some brands is actually that pivot. Again, it's a learning curve. There are so many other brands in some other insane niches from construction to, to, to penis enlargement companies. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, well, they're going, you know what? We've got a bunch of SEO. We just don't really know how to write about it creatively, yeah. but we know we need to. We need to constantly keep our website m- moving. We need to constantly be talking about our brand we need to be finding new ways to iterate what we are what we mean and how our customers relate and to it's us. all about the hits isn't it it's all about the hits on the website the traffic on the website and it's also you know everyone is online yeah and also the fact and i think a big thing for me is especially with working with smaller companies is trying to delineate between what a vanity like is yeah or what genuine quality traffic means and what that should look like for them not yeah. what it's going to look like for their competitors mm-hmm. Or not what it's going to look like for the big hitters in the in the industry, whatever industry that is. It's looking at okay. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay, um, if, if you're writing, a new, I, I write. I'm lucky enough to, and I love doing it, is writing newsletters for mm-hmm. some of my clients. And um, we look at a, a clear and obvious KPI for the success of a newsletter is your open rate. Yeah. But that shouldn't be it. That's not the only thing. And I think for me, it's kind of looking at okay. Well, if you are, have you got? And then it's building a strategy around, well, what does a 5%, 10%, or 30%, or 35% open rate mean for you? And what's the next step? Yeah. Now, obviously, business owners will say, oh, I want to convert a sale, or I want to um, uh, qualify them for a, a further meeting, or, or do action. something, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah, the call yeah. to action is. Yeah. But then that sort of carries on because of the seamlessness between digital and, phys- and, and physical lives now. It's that, well, can you convert that? to something else, to more content, is how can, you, how can you sort of roll that on to something that then feels that it sort of constantly iterates new ideas and, and starts conversation pieces without it sounding too salesy. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a demographic element there, which is Gen Zers consume content, read content, trust content, and companies and brands way differently to yeah. millennials and Gen Xers and above. Um, so it's how you pivot that sort of down the generations. And how, again, you constantly focus back on credibility and experience. And mm-hmm. that, that, again, copywriting is a very, at times, very formulaic job. You have to write certain keywords in, keyword density. Writing blogs is, can be, at times, quite, um, uh, quite prescribed. But, again, it comes back to the experience of yeah. how people feel when they stop reading it. Have they learned something? Where do you go from there? Sometimes KPIs look great. Sometimes those clear return on investment figures look wonderful. But... There are many, many intangibles that, that then seep into people's private digital lives and how they then communicate and sure. iterate to their own network. And that stuff is really important too. So. And, and in terms of the stuff that you produce, I mean, 
I guess it's bespoke for each client, isn't it? And, it is, yeah. and you, you know, you tailor it to kind of their needs and demands and what they want, the yeah. route they want to go down and things like that. Yeah. So, so how do you kind of approach that? Do you, do you have, I'm, you know, we've spoken about it before, but yeah. you know, in terms of, do you have a briefing with, with the, with the company owner and, and, yeah. you know, get to understand the brand? I know you've done a couple of events with a few of your sure. clients as well, sure, which sure. is great. Um, so how, how do you kind of get about knowing about them? Because, you know, you can't just go in and go, yeah, I'll just do you a blog. Absolutely not. Crack, no, I'll crack on, see you later. Yeah. And then go away and do it and then send something back and they go, what the hell is this? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, actually, you've got to know a little bit about kind of what they do and, and do. what they bring to the table. So yeah, yeah. how would you kind of go about doing that and getting to know your customer in that sense? Yeah, okay. Um, it's uh, a fairly, I sort of go through a qualification process, if you will. Yeah. Which is, I've been lucky enough to be a pro. The majority of the clients that I've had are have approached me through Fiverr or through LinkedIn or through other or referral channels, and they'll say, can you help me? Mm-hmm. Now, a qualification will go then one of two ways, which is I'll always ask to meet them on Zoom, always, 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 because I think especially with copywriting and, and knowing how fluid the work I do is into website copy or, or, or e-commerce copy or brand or especially recruitment employer branding, yeah. whatever I write is going to be speaking for them. And so i kind of got to know who they are. Yeah, I've got to absolutely. know what they're about. So I'll always try and qualify. And you've got to see the whites of their eyes as well. It's all very well doing it over a phone call. It's, kind of, it's really old school, is it? Yeah, yeah. Like that's the kind of thing of, you know, how, what, you know, what you guys were teaching new consultants at one step was, was how you kind of go in and, and, and deliver credibility, service trust, and all that stuff totally. in a room with somebody. Yeah. And, and it was always the clearest and best way to ever get a, a kind of new client on board was to go and meet them and yeah. go and see them. And it's no different to what I do. So mm-hmm. some people will be really busy. So what I'll do is say, great, well, let's plan a Zoom for future, but here's a brief briefing document. And that briefing document will contain everything I need as a writer to get okay. stuck into a project. That will be keywords if they've done it, research. That will be audience type. That will be word count. That will be what your call to actions are, a brief description of your brand, what you want to achieve with this particular project, whatever it is. Yeah. And that could be a 500-word blog, which I don't recommend anybody ever do a 500-word <laughs> blog, let's say 1,500-word blog, yeah, yeah. Uh, to a white paper and beyond. So, um, and so I'll send that most of the time at the same time that I do the Zoom. They'll be back and forth. Okay, tweak here. I've done some research here. Have you thought about this? We'll back And I try and keep it very, very... Casual. And mm-hmm. I think, well, look, I'm not writing for me. I'm writing for you. I'm writing yeah. in your voice, in your tone, for your company, for your end. So um, it's kind of putting my ego aside and going, okay, not prejudging anything, but providing where possible a bit of advice on, uh, well, a big thing is SERPs, which is search engine um, uh, ranking uh, that Google have uh, changed recently in December. So yeah. they had a whole principle of writing uh, of, of any con- any brand content that has to fit a process it's a it's a it's a it's a formula for for google to index your company above others and obviously things like relevance keywords and all that stuff is is fine but it's it was e um at it was uh it was expertise authority and trustworthiness those are the three things that google would with their incredibly ridiculous search (laughs) algorithms to rank your site above another obviously that would include things like seo um but they were bringing in things like expertise, which is, do you have a, a meet the team page? And if so, can Google scan the text and, and judge its authority, judge its expertise within that sector, okay. and then bounce from things like backlinks and the whole ecosystem really interesting, of searchability imagine, comes yeah, to the yeah. fore. What they've added is another E, which is experience, and, okay. um, and which means that kind of um, how all of, all of those things work towards guaranteeing the trustworthiness 
of their search index capability. Right. So yeah. that for me is like the biggest thing is that it doesn't really matter what I say in terms of, oh, I advise you use these keywords or, hey, in my own research, your competitors are saying this. That sort of EEAT um, principle mm-hmm. that, that Google have kind of elevated in yeah, yeah. December of last year, this is now how search works. Okay. And this is kind of what everything has to pivot around. That now, so I don't just write anymore. I'm kind of trying to offer other things that sort of lift. And you've almost got that at the back of your mind. And it's little things like that that I don't know as a director of a company. Do you well, I'd always I mean? say, like, I mean, this is know? the first thing I always say is, is if, if, if your keywords of how, what's your strategy around your keyword creation? As in, what are you trying to achieve? As in, how, is, how are those keywords going to sound for your tone? For your yeah, brand. you just don't want the keywords at the top of the screen no. going. Here's, here's my keywords. I mean, do you know what I mean? Yeah, used they, to do like hashtag, yeah. and then all the keywords at the end of it like a text. You know what I mean? And then it would like try and pull the the algorithm in that way. But actually, it's more than that. Yeah, it it's is. about tone as well. It it's is. about kind it of you know, content and, and yeah. having all of that in there as well. And how it all works together. And yeah. it's how your social media profiles work. It's how. Uh, any any kind of any it's the authority of the back of your backlinks of of how other people and this is why PR is going to never die yeah because the authority within published backlinks is is massively important uh, to business credibility and for Google to index you higher so I mean yeah it's it's a it's a classic thing where um, I didn't quite realise until I really did copywriting just how important that micro copy is on your e-com site or just how important a meet the team page is right, okay. for Google to rank your expertise a little bit higher because yeah. then it relifts your overall tr- trustworthiness online okay. and then you're ranked higher. That whole princi- that whole system is so much more natural and organic now compared to what it used to be. Like you said, people yeah. used to just load pages with keywords yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. And then go, hey, great, we're top of that. That's way, you know, Google are far more far, intelligent. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, and, yeah and, and it's things like, you know, those having those pages to then increase your your Google ranking sure. that actually will then get you the sale in the long run. So, yeah. blogging, copywriting, I think is really crucial, and I think you know people underestimate it a little bit. Don't yeah, they? Do well, you, thought, is that fair to say? I would say, I'd say recruitment, yes. And I think this is sorry going back to a point I raised a minute ago. Recruitment have been so so, well, the recruitment sector, I should say, or HR tech mm-hmm. in a way, has been so forward thinking in so many ways, um, especially around things like persona building, AI, and all that stuff and, and things like onboarding systems now are just so com- incredible performance management all digital based and yeah. it's so effective like you know peer reviewing and anonymous feedback and stuff for management and for start is incredible and i've blogged about it a ton with for clients because yeah. it is important because you spend a third of your life at, you know at work yeah you know? so, you, yeah. Know, you, know, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you want to know that the the stack you've got especially hr pros need to know the stack they've got are going to working for people's uh, for, to the benefit of most of their people rather than com- yeah. making work too complex but I think there are things that HR recruitment do uh, are slightly not slack on. They're just kind of they're, they're on the coattails. They're still catching up, and they're suddenly finally, and I think Blast realizing in this kind of over enthusiastic way, which is going just get content out, get yeah. content out. And I'm like, hey, no, cool, yeah, it's great. I love, uh, yeah, let me do it. But, but okay, you still again, it's thinking about everything as strategically as possible, yeah. and and trying to think of content and marketing on the same par as your finances. Uh, compliance, legal, when you're setting a company up, which is, it has to be on even standing. Otherwise, you are invisible. Yeah. And if you're invisible, Completely what's agree. the point? C- couldn't agree more. So yeah. I think that's kind of where so much of my advice has been, especially to startups. I could never tell an enterprise what to do. They're far better than mm-hmm. what they do th- than I am. I'm just a, I'm just following on and saying yes to a brief. But for small companies, I'm going, don't rush it. You don't need to put anything out live, but what you do need to put on has to be quality. Yeah. And it has to sound truthful. It has to have quality research it's got to have it's got to display your expertise and it doesn't matter if it's a 20 word bit of micro copy that's a headline on a page 
that has to that's got that speaks volumes for yeah. who you are and and for and indexability it's vital you get it right and obviously there's loads of other stuff with things like um you know meta text and urls and and all the stuff that feeds into that um which is all seo um and i'm actually something maybe that some people have asked me which is can you do sort of a real deep dive into seo and i say no that's actually not my job there are seo professionals yeah, I mean, Yoast, sure. Yoast as a company are yeah. wonderful yeah. these amazing WordPress plugins uh, WordPress plugins which basically take the heavy lifting SEO off a copywriter's or marketer's job because it's ridiculously convoluted and insanely complex yeah. and, and I don't know enough about it like, I'm always learning and, and so as a copywriter I'm, I'm my job is at the behest of so many people yeah. SEO program saying write this way to this audience with this word count etc mm-hmm. there are marketers going well here's what we want to achieve there's KPIs to hit but it's a you can still flex a lot. There's still a lot of creativity in there. It's yeah. good for, and I do enjoy it. I really love it. And, and in terms of the content that you sort of write, you know, we're talking about blogs. Yep. So talk to talk to me about almost a list, sort of a if, list. If, you, if you will, in terms of what you cover. Yeah. Just because I'm sure there's probably people out there who go, actually, I'm going to reach out to you. Just in terms of bit of a plug mate yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what the types of thing that you cover so newsletters yeah. so I mean, so newsletters uh, are, are a couple of retainers which I, I work on which is really great fun because you get to have this kind of rolling brand conversation with yeah. audiences which is awesome if, any, if anybody's ever considered ever writing a newsletter do it now do it now yeah. get it on Substack or host your own LinkedIn do, do a newsletter as well LinkedIn yeah, yeah. do it fantastically yeah. as well the, yeah. and, and the reason being is that it, especially with LinkedIn actually is a great shout um it's an absolute goldmine for SEO, yeah. especially if you have a, a, some great posted articles. You, you're not absolutely married to this 1500 word count thing. You can get short, sharp little thought leadership pieces yeah. and they are instantly indexable. So get it online, do mm-hmm. that. So that's my newsletter. Yeah. Um, they're really, <laughs> yeah. No, they're great. Newsletters are wonderful. Yeah. Um, blogs and articles, obviously. Yeah. Uh, a lot of email sequencing um, okay. because there's so much email marketing automation that most companies, especially if they have a sales funnel to roll down, recruitment being one, mm-hmm. Um, they have whole whole strings of email sequences they want to just get automated, so they'll lean yeah. on me to do that. Uh, press releases, anything to do with PR, okay. uh, generally speaking, including bylines yeah. uh, or more in-depth pieces. Uh, white papers or research pieces are done or guides, brochures, um, social media copy, website copy and editing, uh, anything really that kind of involves the written word for a company, uh, I've, I've kind of covered at some point. Perfect. Um, and then... Uh, Probably like latterly is a lot of sort of, I guess, advice on things like tone. It's weird. It's There's some things that don't really fall under the copywriting Banner. umbrella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. probably fall, on, uh, or fall under maybe slightly sort of marketing or brand, mm-hmm. which is just how you sort of communicate, uh, I guess, your, your authority across any touch point that anybody could yeah. connect with your company. So that could be... Um, Oh God, even like, you know, colors of websites and stuff, you know, yeah. so they'll, they'll still, there's always some sort of creative input you can have that's slightly lateral to yeah, what go, I do. Yeah, it goes towards branding and marketing, as you yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because again, there's, there's, a, there's a feel you get, especially with retained clients that I have that I've worked mm. with for a long time where I kind of, I speak their language, I'm really, in, you know, in the weeds of their brand and their, and what they're trying to accomplish. And, and there's always some really positive feedback where I can throw them an idea that's not to do with copy. It'll be to do with their, their brand logo or it'll yeah. be to do with how competitors pivoted a certain way. And generally speaking, they're quite receptive. Sometimes they tell me to do one, but, you know, <laughs> I, you know, and, and that's that's part of the, the joy of 
the role. But again, part of what I do, the freedom to explore and say yes to projects. I go yeah. back to, it, it goes back to events, it feeds into everything it I does. guess I've done. Yeah, it, just, it saying yes to, yeah. just saying yes to projects, it keeps me on my toes, it keeps yeah. me learning. Um, and, it's, and it's great uh, to, to sort of look at my look at my, my portfolio now and go, mm-hmm. God, I've, I've done some really kind of yeah, yeah, cool yeah. stuff. Like there's some really cool... It's co- quite rewarding, isn't it? It in, is, in, it in, is. In terms of reflecting and looking back and going, actually, I, you know, yeah. I'm quite pleased I did, did that. Yeah, you know and, I mean? and even if the work maybe wasn't kind of the best work I've ever done or mm-hmm. something that I wouldn't necessarily go, oh, that was a huge, you know, it was a huge gig. It, you know, even just small little gigs, you know, bits of econ copy or... Those things can still... There, there are little tidbits of information I can take from there that I can apply to the next, yeah. the next client and the next client, which only makes me better at my job. Absolutely agree. So it's trying to not, it's constantly keeping my door open where I can. Yeah. It's been very beneficial. So that's yeah. really good. And, and you know, we talked earlier on about niching and yeah, yeah kind of niching out in, in terms of the recruitment sector. Is it just the recruitment sector that you that you would do some of your work with, or are we talking other? Kind of no, I, I'd say anything. Um, I've done a lot of work in the last year, especially in the last six months in, around tech. Okay, but it's not been—it's not necessarily been article or blog work that's been about tech in general because yeah. that's massive. It will there will always be a kind of an edge or a niche that somebody will say, "Can you do it? Is there something?" You know, I know you work in recruitment or you've done proofreading within you know that sort of sector. Mm-hmm. But I work in a construction company. Can you just help out with some? With some, you know, uh, with some website copy, and I've said okay. yes, of course, because the principles still yeah. apply. I've just got to pivot my research. So recruitment is probably sixty, seventy percent of what I do. Okay. Yep. But I've actually seen that is probably because that industry, more than in this is only my own experience, mm-hmm. more than others, are finally realizing the kind of value of not just kind of going, we built a website and we'll leave it for two years. It's yeah. that, that that taking an MOT approach, constantly rehashing, rebuilding. Updating it. And updating as you go. So yeah. that's been a, a real learning curve. Yeah, and, and, and you know, so, gone are the days, I think, with regards to, you know, just got to smash the phones and do your sales calls and, right. and send a couple of emails. I think it's it's far deeper than that nowadays. And it's going out and seeing people, it's networking. Yeah, yeah. But it, all of these combined involves that kind of um, copywriting and, and marketing yeah. and newsletters that we talked about as well. And yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's everything, not just your sales calls. Right, have, you, have you made 50 sales calls this week? Do yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? In, in terms of recruitment. I imagine it would be interesting. I mean, I sort of would love to be a fly on the wall in a sales floor now to see kind of how personal brand of consultants to... And maybe it would be a case of not even... Maybe oh, this might sound a bit sort of the ego but it's maybe what I do isn't necessarily just copywriting, it's brand writing, because mm-hmm. every, especially with the recruitment, everything has to scream yeah. employer brand. It has to scream credibility, reputation, personality, trust. And it's almost looking at it like, it, it, think like Google, maybe. Yeah. You know, if, if you as a consultant or an HR person who is front and centre with clients and candidates are not, con- and with every single email, with every call, with every touch point on Instagram, with every thing you're putting online, doesn't scream credibility doesn't 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 absolutely screen trustworthiness then you, then you and i'll give a case in point is is i was reading something today i kind of wish i brought it with me but there was a a, a fact i saw about how um tiktok the denizens of tiktok are calling out um but you know poor recruitment practice or slow recruitment practice yeah. weeks ahead of a consultant replying via email to yes or no whether you've received a job within like the within the next day being like wow. well you know, and, and looking at the kind of those huge trends that came in during the pandemic, like uh, CV talk and stuff and all of these, where it's not necessarily that thought leaders aren't being heard anymore. It's that younger people, more digitally aligned, digitally connected, 
communities, networks, I'll use your exact yeah. word you just used, networks are instantly and immediately communicating whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. So it's not a case of like, oh, well, I've, and I'm always going to say quality, not quantity, I'll always, but they are talking about you and the way, even if they're not naming you, they are talking about yeah, you right absolutely. now to everybody online. Yeah. Yeah. More often than not, they'll call you out instantly yeah. for bad practice or slow practice or maybe just practice they feel isn't really matching their vibe. Yeah. And I'm not saying that in a patronising way. No, 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 absolutely. But that is an absolute mentality thing. Of if you're not keeping up with your audience, and I do mean this from a content way, but as a consultant attitude, it, you've got to be more... I'm, I'm preaching to the converted and I don't yeah. know much to say. <laughs> and, but I, I guess that's from a, coming at it from, a, from the sort of behind the scenes, look at our content's being fed into this machine now online um, yeah, God, it's so it's so different to yeah, what it was it when you when know, I was I, working with you. I, I, I remember the days we were doing sales calls after sales calls, but actually now, if I do a post that goes you know pretty far on LinkedIn for yeah. for whatever reason, I could hit ten thousand views on that. Crazy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't make ten thousand phone calls in an hour. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's actually getting the brand out there, and that all comes down to your copywriting and and your blogging and stuff like that, doesn't yeah. it? So well, I got a, I'll bounce question back at you. You've obviously you've worked so so hard at LinkedIn over the last a, few years. A bit of a stalker on LinkedIn, aren't I? To be fair, but yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, it's a fine line between hard work and stalking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, um, no. But like you've you've obviously realised the value of uh, it's not just kind of saying here's what I do and here's my name. It's it's the meaning of what you do and the reasons behind it. And it's not just kind of saying, oh, you have a problem, I'm a solution. Although that's kind of what you're iterating to. It's also the consistency of, of you as a person, but not just as a, as a person, as a brand, as a credible, mm-hmm. responsible yep. um, recruiter of note, where they realise you are holding yourself accountable, you are visible. And those things, are, they count for more than a sales call. That's and, way and, more and, valuable. And, and for me, it, it's about... And I always come down to the the the, the theory that people buy from people, and right. they're not going to have a look at our website or pick up the phone to me sure. if they don't know me. Sure. They they're more far more likely to get to know me through LinkedIn yep. and my various different content in terms of seeing my kids or whatever it may be or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. But actually, they they before they pick up the phone, they can get to know me a little bit more, sure. and they can find out a little bit more about me. Am I the right cultural fit for their for their business in terms of recruiting for someone or whatever it may be? But yeah, yeah. It, it's about that for me. It's yeah. about getting my audience to know me, and therefore they'll pick up the phone and speak to me or email yeah. me or whatever it may be. Yeah, and I'm assuming, well, you can tell me either way. But the content you put online, how you how you build your you know, you, I mean, we've we've gone for a beer and stuff, and you've gone. God, there have been weeks where I felt, yeah. Oh God, I almost feel like I've got nothing to say this week. Like yeah. I feel like I can't. But then what you and, do is you really are, drill are, down. And, yeah, there are there are times where I'm like, oh, this is not working. Right. Like LinkedIn's not working. Yeah. And then I'll get a message out the blue, and you know, and it works. Monetary wise, tens of thousands. Yeah. On, on the back of just posts from LinkedIn. And I think there's something where you you, um, I'm 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 standing on the shoulders of marketing giants who've. Who've, who've sort of you know said the, the how you adapt your sales funnel or, how, or however you visualize your journey your customer journey um, has been ripped up by social media it's been ripped mm-hmm. up by the by, by by digital transformation and however that looks to you is going to be different person to person but it, the, totally. those those the, the principles of you know continuity of posting of finding your brat of, of expertise of finding that kind of um, finding your reputation and it was and sorry I go back to what you were saying a moment ago about finding your niche it, that is kind of a starter writer's um, 
101 mm-hmm. is don't just write generalist. Yeah. Build up a reputation by writing in a niche. Yeah. And then it's much easier for you. And in the same way that kind of LinkedIn, you build up that yeah. reputation over time yeah, you to do. eventually you get to a point where somebody goes, Oh, I've seen you before. Yeah, oh, hey, yeah, and, yeah. and hey, you you and actually I think there's something yeah. about accountability there. And they can see you, and I the, think that's so important. You know, even it's little things like Laura and I do a, a Monday morning mashup on social media yeah. every Monday. The amount of networking events I've gone to, and the people have turned around and gone, love your videos. Yeah, love your stuff. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's about getting that brand out there, and it is. It's it's tip of the tongue. I need I need someone. Who am I going to phone yeah. in terms of recruitment? Yeah. I'm going to phone James or Laura or whoever it may be. First person that comes to yeah. mind. And so. I think I think there's something where I'm not of the mind that the work I do is going to suddenly break the internet for a client. I think what I do has to fit a, a whole um, like a tapestry of storytelling and i use that very loosely because sometimes in recruitment it's not storytelling you just got to get candidate a into job b now yeah and or somebody's a brilliant talent is going look i know i'm Mm -hmm. like i'm great at what i do find me a job and you go i got you five right now because sometimes you you can qualify it that quickly but i think again the credibility what you've just said i think is the is the is the cherry on the whole top of the marketing cake really which is if somebody goes "Hmm, i need something today yeah whatever that is they think of you first. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, you've got... Brand, That's the pinnacle of it. Pinnacle, it? pinnacle yeah, yeah. branding, man. And I think... So what I do kind of feeds into that machine somewhat. And it's exciting. And it's fast moving. And I think I, I never thought... I, I should have done it 10 years ago. James. <laughs> Honestly, I really We'd should. have never met, mate, if that That's is the case. That's very true. <laughs> and I think, you know, you, you get to these kind of crossroads in your life. And actually, things happen for a reason. I'm a massive believer in kind of, you yeah. know, positive kind of thinking and all of that. And... And I think things happen for a reason. You have to have these kind of events in your life to get to where you are going in your journey. And, and that's, yeah. I truly believe that. But do you know what's mad? Also what's mad, thinking, even just sat here chatting with you, is what everybody within the one-step fold, when we were working in an agency, where they've all ended up. And, and thinking back at the kind of how you ran the sales floor and how we all worked together kind of for each other and... And, and now how we've kind of all spread from that environment. In, but they're all kind of excelling. Those, yeah. Pretty much everyone we work with is is, is cracking on in a really great way. And I think it's so, yeah, it's an interesting, that sort of post-pandemic shift of priorities. Yeah. And also the stuff you learn within recruitment, I think, stands, uh, we we could go into hours of chat about (laughs) strategy and speed of service. And before we started today, you were like, oh, what what, what are we going to talk about? (laughs) And now over 45 minutes in, we're uh, we're still in, but it's great. great. Um, So how can people find you online? (laughs) Despite, sure. You know, the uh, fact that we've been talking about this for the last 45 minutes. Yeah, no, it's, um, how, can, how can people find you? So I've got a portfolio online, which is jacksburway.xyz. Yeah. Um, and I am on LinkedIn, should be more active, uh, but I'm not for some reason. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a weird thing where I've kind of taken a point of, like LinkedIn is insanely busy. Yeah. Um, so the way that I've found my, and I'm on Fiverr, just if anyone is on yeah. Fiverr, listen to this as well, just as Jack Spurway. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, that, there's something that I'm quite keen to, to do especially this year is 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 open more doors be it through other sites like upwork or mm-hmm. you know juno or anything like that but also you know hammering social i've been we've been talking about the the benefits of social and i should do more um but i guess it's finding for me as a copywriter i kind of work in the shadows what a lot of i do is behind yeah closed doors um it's not being afraid of stepping out but but people need to good. find you and they can find you on your website as okay. you say so okay. jack spurway dot x y z or z if we're in the uk um but you deal with lots of people all across the globe yeah um and yeah. like i say i've seen a lot of jack's um clients in terms of reviews that he's that he's received 
and they are literally for, uh, as far away as Singapore, all the way to the States, to the UK. Um, so if anyone is looking for a copywriter, blogger, mm -hmm. everything that you said, then you can find, they can find you, jackspurway.xyz, um, in terms of your, your website. Yeah, thanks, mate. Perfect. Thank you, Jack, for your time. Really appreciate it. We have been talking for about an hour, but I love that. Um, and it's great that, you know, you can give some insight in terms of what you do. And I think that the, the creativity and the content that you can bring to, to other businesses is massive. So um, do reach out to Jack. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Jack, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, we will see you on the next one. Remember, jackspurway.xyz. You can find him there. Thank you very much.